everyone, Henry here. Today we have a special guest uh, all the way from Pakistan. It's Hadi Mohammed from Easybike. First shared mobility service in Pakistan with two-wheeler electric motors. They're recently launched in Islamabad and have big plans to expand. Enjoy. Let's know more about you. Uh, you were born in Pakistan, yeah, originally? Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm from Pakistan. I'm actually half English and half Pakistani originally. Um, grew up in Pakistan in Islamabad. And, uh, and then I spent uh, about 20 years living uh, overseas, went to the States for college, um, and I did my undergrad and my MBA from there. Spent about 17 years working in banking, mm -hmm. mostly in New York. Uh, I spent a year or so in Chicago, a couple years in London, and uh, the last three years in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And then uh, basically was inspired by the startup scene, um, just the potential for creating impact in emerging markets like Pakistan using technology. And um, I was really first exposed to startups as a banker. We raised capital for some leading um, US startups. Some of them were mobility startups. Um, and that really started giving me exposure and understanding of how this can create change. And so I was really lucky because my uh, best friend from school, Ali Moin, is my co-founder. Um, he's one of the brightest minds in tech in Pakistan. He's been building enterprise products for um, for clients in the U.S. for about 15 years, running companies here. He built his own company. And so I just had a fantastic partner who really understood the operations like technology in Pakistan. And so um, we decided to put together a mobility as a service startup. And all credit goes to Ali. He quit his career first and took the entrepreneurial leap. I joined him about a year later. And so we founded Romer Technologies, uh, which is a mobility service startup in, in Pakistan. Our first product was a car rental app. We launched uh, the first car rental app in Pakistan uh, about two years ago, and that's done very well. It grew the company about 30% month on month for two years, raised a small angel round. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting model. It's kind of a hybrid between ride hailing and car rentals. We thought that was an interesting use case for a place with a shortage of mobility assets for people on cars and bikes. And we were monitoring for a long time uh, bike sharing and scooter sharing. And uh, particularly with COVID, I think that kind of accelerated the process for us of trying to create something that was uh, COVID friendly as well, if you will. And um, so that helped us to make a, a pivot in our strategy. And we decided to launch this in about two weeks. So very early days, but very, very encouraging initial signs. And uh, we're excited to be doing it. Yeah, that's really great because it really seems that you and Ali are really like complementing each other because he's like more the tech and IT part and you're like the more business side of things as well. Yeah, we make a good team, I think. And it helps that, you know, we've known each other since we were children. So you have that kind of rapport and understanding and ability to get through things. And then going back a bit, uh, when you were studying together in the school, because uh, you kind of split up, you, you were chasing more the business, business career and like he's going for yeah. IT things. What kind of pushed you to choose that side of things? You no, I had a couple of relatives who were bankers, but, um, you know, it just kind of came together that way. When I was in college, I did a couple of internships at banks in the States, and uh, I chose business as a degree. It seemed like a good space. I kind of enjoyed the idea of, of business, and so I did a business economics undergraduate degree. Uh, Ali did um, MIS and accounting in his degree. So we both went to the States for college, hmm. and then both worked after college there a few years. I stayed on. He came back and built a company here and ran it. Um, so, uh, it just kind of worked out the way I think sometimes in careers, sometimes people have it figured out and other times you just kind of fall into it. So for me, it was just, 
you know, it seemed like an interesting thing. There was upside potential. I was learning. I was enjoying it, and so I, that kept me going for quite a long time in banking. Well, your internship is pretty interesting because you had like a short internship at the Citigroup, and then in 17 years you come back there, being the director. <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I think. Uh, it's funny. I mean, city has got a great presence here in, in emerging markets, and so they were a good place to do an internship. But it was definitely a very different experience than when I went in and uh, and joined in Dubai. City Group also has this city bikes scheme. Uh, did yeah. that affect you in some ways? No, honestly speaking, that's kind of just coincidental. I don't think really that was something that I uh, was. No, it wasn't something I was at all involved with, first of all, when I was at Citibank. But when I was working at another bank in, um, in New York, uh, City Bikes was getting started and expanding. So I kind of witnessed that and used it actually a few times. Um, but I always, I mean, we could talk about models. I always felt like the, uh, you know, the free float or dockless model just makes so much more sense in terms of uh, usability and convenience for users. I mean, the amount of capex you have to spend to put enough docks in a city is just makes it non-viable. So I always thought of those as more as like publicity stunts where municipal authorities were being in operators. I heard the stories about how various operators of those types of docked bike sharing models were struggling financially. And um, so it was never really something that appealed to me very much. Um, I kind of, you know, to be honest, I think about bike sharing and scooter sharing I think of them as kind of two distinct industries uh, between developed markets and developing markets. Because, you know, in, a, in, in Western Europe, for example, you have you know, very well developed, very efficient public transportation systems. And so uh, bike sharing is a nice to have, if you will. Um, and I think the environmental benefits are fantastic if they're electric. Um, and I know there's a tremendous awareness of that in Europe. So I think that's very helpful in, in getting these two to take root. Um, in emerging markets like Pakistan, it's a very different ballgame. You've got Pakistan, for example, you have 220 million people, 90% of whom do not own a vehicle of any kind. Public transport is very limited. Um, there are, in terms of mass transit uh, created by the government, that's actually not particularly um, widespread. So what you have is lots of small operators who are running private public transportation systems, those tend to be very inconvenient, they're overpriced often. Uh, and so there's this massive opportunity for the 90% of people who rely upon some form of shared mobility to improve their lives through tech. And that's what ride hailing has done, that's what bike taxis has done, and we feel that the next wave of disruption in mobility is is definitely self-drive in the form of bikes uh, that you can share. And we were very inspired by what's been happening in East Asia and in India, where you know these these companies have grown very very rapidly because there's just such a, a huge need for it. And based on you know a couple of weeks of data points, uh, this has really really taken off very quickly. We've gotten a lot of exposure in Pakistan. Uh, the feedback on the street has been tremendously positive. So um, it's a good indicator that we're right in that thesis. Then are you getting inspiration from then companies like Golgora or Uber or something like that and you want to create something locally in Pakistan then? Look, I, I think there's a number of mobility companies that have done a good job in emerging markets. Some of the local players, I guess, are more uh, relevant to us. I think the story from a from an investor standpoint in, uh, in emerging markets, particularly in Asia, has been that the local players have actually um, managed to 
compete with the large international incumbents, which is surprising, right? You'd put your money on Uber blowing everyone away, but that's not what's happened. It's been the reverse. So Kareem's a great example of that. They've done a fantastic job building a business in this part of the world. Um, and more recently, bike taxis here in Pakistan have built a business. And the scale is very impressive, right? So ride-hailing companies on the car side, they're doing, they've gone from zero to about $250 million of annual revenue in Pakistan within the space of five years. Bike taxi companies uh, are doing about just short of $50 million a year now, and that's within three years. So look, the track record's there. Uh, if you can build a good scalable product, there's a tremendous need. There's a huge population that is looking for it. There's $230 billion in consumer spending in Pakistan. There's 80 million, uh, 80 million people who are urban, 80 million people who are middle class. There's 86 million 3G, 4G subscribers, and uh, that's adding 1 million a month. So the demographics are astounding. I think if you can create something that adds value to the people's lives, um, what's what we've seen in the last few years uh, is that there's tremendous scalability and there's tremendous upside potential. And that's what we're trying to do is we think fundamentally, having run um, a hybrid between ride hailing and rentals for quite some time, we believe what's wrong with ride hailing, uh, and this is not to take anything away from the companies that have built these products, but what's fundamentally wrong with it is the unit economics just don't work. Uh, when you have a limited pool of supply, a discrete pool of riders that you need to incentivize to come onto your platform, you end up giving all of your top line to them. And um, that creates some social impact because you're putting some money into the economy, but you're never going to build a sustainable business, right? Uber loses $1.25 on every ride it completes globally. Redeem's never gotten profitability on a unique economic basis at all. Um, you know, so so there's there's really a case to be made that this doesn't work, right? I get the, the super app play. That that makes sense to me, right? Kareem's positioning itself as a super app now. They're launching all types of products and they have this lost leader that has gotten them the users and now they can sell it as stuff. That's great. Good for them. But if you want to talk about a mobility solution for emerging markets that is going to work, meaning it's going to be a profitable business, it's going to be a business that can deliver value to users, and I would argue more value to users by giving them the ability to drive themselves, um, I think self-drive is the is the answer. And so within that, then you sort of pick how do you approach that. Do you go with cars? Do you go with bikes? Do you go with scooters? What do you go with? We wanted to go with as simple and small and cheap a product as possible because that's the need of the hour for the majority of the uh, lower middle income people that we're targeting. They're the people who are excluded from ride hailing because it's too expensive and it's too expensive because there's a driver. Um, so, and women, you know, the bike taxis, this is a conservative country. So bike taxis don't cater to women basically. So there's that large percentage of the population that we seek to empower. And there's tremendous social benefits from that uh, by, by giving them the ability to get to their jobs or the universities on their own. And that's uh, something that's taking hold in Pakistan. You know, that's becoming a trend. So we'd like to facilitate that with our bikes. And then, so the last question then arrives is, okay, fine. If you do two wheelers, are you going to do motorbikes, uh, which contribute, I think, around 60 or 70% of the air pollution rates in Pakistan, or do you go green? And so we're on the cusp of an electric vehicle revolution globally. We're on the cusp of it in Pakistan. There's a need in places like Pakistan. You know, technological advancements are making uh, electric vehicles more and more efficient and um, we think that there's an opportunity to to push forward the adoption of electric vehicles in an emerging market like this through a sharing mechanism and um, you know build out the infrastructure for charging etc ourselves uh, and it'll have tremendous 
impact on the air pollution rates, which are rapidly increasing in places like this. And um, and yeah, I think it would be a wonderful thing to be able to, to do for the society beyond any financial gain. But I want to make clear, like we're not a not-for-profit. We're not a um, a company that's just seeking to, to create social impact. I fundamentally believe, and this is probably from being a banker for 17 years, you have to have a bottom line. Your business has to be viable, right? And if you can if you can create jobs and you can create social impact, like delivering value to, to people, um, that's great. You know, you should make money doing it because that'll ensure that it's a viable enterprise that's going to scale and you'll have the maximum impact. Uh, so yeah, I think if you can do, if you can make sure they, they work together, you can deliver environmental benefits, social benefits, and have a bottom line that makes sense. Uh, that's fantastic. I think that's one of the best revolutions you can bring about in mobility and emerging markets. We're tremendously excited by it because it's a massive opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an impactful business. And as you're saying, as an experienced banker, uh, because with, with the whole uh, self-driven mobility, the whole business model is still kind of not cracked yet uh, worldwide. So what's your opinion about that? Um, I mean, like with any with any new model, there needs to be a lot of work done as people go in and be guinea pigs. They'll learn about what the general issues are that you face in this type of a business. Um, and then there will be nuances for each region. Uh, so I think that, you know, it's not necessarily true that what will work in the US or Western Europe is going to be applicable in India or, or Pakistan or whatever. So it's a learning process. I think each of us has to go through it. Um, that makes it more challenging because you're sort of inventing the wheel, if you will. Uh, but the first mover advantage is just tremendously attractive. Again, going back to my general point about mobility, the story in Pakistan, certainly, and I think this applies generally beyond Pakistan is that particularly within mobility, the first mover has managed to maintain market share, right? Uh, so if it's a local player, they've gone in and deployed by taxis or ride hailing, whatever. They've managed to do it. And then the international players come in and tried to blow them away with marketing spend and they've failed. Uh, so we think that we have a lot of challenges ahead to figure out, okay, with the operations, the charging infrastructure, the the bike technology, maintenance rates, breakage rates, theft rates. Yes, we're, we're, we're the trailblazer in that. However, the, the, uh, you know, the benefits for doing that are that you get a first mover advantage. And if you can capture that in Pakistan's largest cities, you are well entrenched and displacing you is, is next to impossible. So I think that positions us and our investors very well. Then what are your current plans on the whole expansion? So we, we'll continue with the uh, two uh, wheelers that we've got. We'll probably tweak the model as we go. What we have right now is a uh, Chinese uh, model, uh, which we are getting assembled in Pakistan. Um, it's conceivable that we will reverse engineer more and more of those components so that we're building most of the bike here with third party partners. And um, so we're working on prototypes right now for that. So we may make subtle changes to lead as a result of that. Um, but I think our, our focus remains the same as we want to take a very cheap, very basic, um, uh, very safe uh, two-wheeler electric bike to the market and expand it across this massive, um, this massive country uh, as quickly as possible. So. Uh, we'll look to deploy around two to two and a half thousand electric bikes in Islamabad 
Lahore and then Karachi over the next year. And we are currently looking at our mix of financing to make that happen. Um, so right now we're in pilot phase and it's good. We're getting a lot of learning from that. Uh, and that positions us where towards the end of the year we can sort of pull the trigger on a on a rapid deployment of bikes. That, that's what we're really going to look to do. Once we've done that, you know, do we introduce higher end because we see a demand for that? Do we come up with a four-wheeler solution at some point? Do we try to cross-sell other products? That's obviously open, but you've got to acquire the users with a with a product that adds value to them first. So I think that's all our focus is for the time being. How is it with the user adoption then? Because as being the first mover. It's been viral. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been the largest launch of a startup in Pakistan's history by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all over the news media. The concept really resonates with people. You know, for your average Pakistani, buying a car or a bike is a tremendous uh, financial commitment that they're trying to figure out and not having it is a huge problem in their lives, right? So, so I think the concept of being able to have another a third party take care of that investment for them and just have assets deployed around the street that they can use really does resonate with people. And then the social benefits, the environmental benefits have also generated a lot of interest. Um, so we've had sort of on a national level with the press, etc. we've had a very, very uh, exciting amount of uh, coverage and that's ongoing. And then um, more importantly, I guess, our util- utilization rates that we had modeled first launch, it's actually turned out to be the case that we're doing two to three times that uh, in the first few weeks of, of operation. We, you know, we're just running a pilot. We're not marketing it. It's not with a, with a sharing system. You obviously need to have as many bikes as you can get in that area of operation because then it becomes useful. Uh, so we don't have that many yet. Uh, we're just starting, but it's still getting used two to three times what we'd anticipated. So that's very encouraging. And within a week, I think we got about 15,000 downloads, we ranked number four on the app store and transportation. So it's just been viral. Uh, and it underlines to me the need to really rapidly grow this. Um, so we are looking at our expansion plans, uh, looking at our um, fundraising targets and plans, and, and I guess adjusting them to make sure that we're capturing the opportunity as effectively as we can. I guess your experience as well, like worldwide, possibly helps with attracting investments. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, startups oftentimes, you know, are focused on the product, which is totally understandable. Um, and that's such a huge piece of it. As I was mentioning, in our case, my co-founder Ali Moin is, is just a rock star. So the fact that we've got a, a leader who can build a team and build products that are extremely effective um, is is one is the basic. That's the foundation. Like we, you can't do this without that. So, I'm not discounting that at all because this is complex. Both the software and the hardware is complex. In fact, we've got that, and we've got a fantastic product. We've got excellent analytics. is huge. Um, but beyond that, you also need to understand how finance works. And I think a lot of times, because startup founders are focused on that product and their backgrounds are from that product uh, world, whether it's technology or ops or whatever, um, they oftentimes miss that. So all of us have to learn it. I mean, it's not that, you know, if someone's going to bank it and they know everything about this specific um, <clears throat> sub-industry within venture capital and emerging markets. So there's definitely a learning process for myself and everyone else. But having a basic understanding of how investors work and having a, few, a bit of a network is obviously very helpful. 
And that's um, helped us thus far and hopefully will continue to as we go forward. What made you actually uh, leave the comfortable uh, life in Dubai as a director in the in, in the city group and to go back to Pakistan and yeah, turn the startup? Uh, it, it, honestly, it had been a, uh, a huge dream of mine for a long time. So mm. it was just a, a very gradual process that I was able to execute that. But to me, look, banking has been very kind. It's a great business and you it's a great place to learn, I think is what I'd say. Um, <clears throat> so uh, so it's, it's very tempting, especially Dubai is a very nice place. So you can you really have a, a comfortable life. But uh, look, it's just to me, it's just the, the opportunity to have an impact. I wanted to do something that was more um, aggressive in terms of the goals. Um, and I wanted to take a risk. And so uh, that's what I did, and I'm tremendously excited to have done it. It's very, very rewarding to run your own business, very difficult, but um, I enjoy every second of it. And it's very different experience than you have as a banker. So um, I love it. I think you've got to think it through, make sure your your goals are are practicable, or they are reasonable, and your there's a congruence between what you want to do and the way you, you know your your situation. But to the extent there is, I think nothing could be better than giving it a shot because, you know, you'll never know otherwise, right? Um, so I'm, I've always been driven by that entrepreneurial um, kind of, uh, I guess, streak. And so uh, it was. It took a long time to execute it, but I'm very, very excited to be doing it. And what was like feeding your entrepreneurial uh, experience uh, all this time? Like, were you like reading some books about it, like watching some videos and stuff? No, I don't think I'm very good with that. Uh, I, I think um, it's probably just um, as a banker working with different uh, businesses and seeing how they've grown, getting exposure to that firsthand, seeing, uh, getting the opportunity to be in the room with some amazing entrepreneurs and learning from them. Seeing those stories has, has, been, has, has personally resonated with me quite a lot. Overall, just the opportunity in Pakistan, seeing what was out there and kind of tracking that um that was very inspiring what, what kind of advice you can give to the people who are like working on the like a normal job in a way at the moment that really want to go into entrepreneurial as well just like you did yeah um look everybody's different so i, I don't think that there's like a one cookie cutter kind of advice that anybody can get but i personally tend to really like the jack ma philosophy which is you know, go and get some experience for a solid 10 years and learn a product, right? Whatever it is, whatever industry it is, work for someone so that you become a skilled professional. You know, I'm sure there are people who at the age of, I mean, there are obviously people at the age of 22 can can build billion dollar companies that we know of them, but uh, it's very exceptional, right? So personally, I think that I benefited a lot from spending uh, quite a long time in banking and learning how finance work, learning how businesses work, and opportunity. Uh, so, my my advice to people is, you know, if you're looking at that, absolutely go for it. I think um, personally, I've never particularly been particularly inclined towards just going with the safe option. Um, I, I think that you know, who inspired me, Jim Carrey inspired me. He told the he told the story of his father at a convention um, where he uh, at, a, at a sorry it was I think it was like a graduation ceremony where he said that his father was an accountant and he was actually a very good comedian but he decided to go for accounting because it was the safe option 
And then um, he got laid off and his family fell on really, really hard times. And Jim Carrey grew up desperately poor. Um, and so what Jim Carrey said was, you know, my father taught me a lot of very good lessons, but probably the most important one was that you can fail at what you don't want to do. So you might as well try to do what you can do. I found that very inspiring. And um, I think anybody who feels that way, you should go for it. But remember, it's not a, it's not all just roses, right? You got to be very, very thoughtful about um, what you're trying to do, what your goals are. Be very honest with yourself and your family about what that means. Uh, it takes time. It's tough. So you need to have the financial security. You need to have the support from family. You need to have the um, plans worked out. Uh, I wouldn't say a plan B. I think it's good to just go all in. Um, oftentimes what people try to do is they try to run a career and a entrepreneurial venture. I think that's a mistake. I think you just have to go all in. You got to jump. And once you you jump, you'll, you'll be able to perform better. But don't jump until you know what your plans are and you have an understanding of where you're going to land and you have the right, you know, set up to, to get through it. Uh, and then as a last question, uh, how much do you bench? I, I don't, I don't bench anything at all. I don't, I don't even go to the gym. Uh, oh, believe me. But, uh, I've got, um, uh, I've got three kids that are wonderful and they, they keep me very busy. So if I'm benching anything, it's one of my babies. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, I, I suppose earlier in my life, I worked out a bit, but, but that's kind of uh, it's tough to find the time between my Running a family. Thank you for watching, that was really great interview. Uh, more to come, but don't forget to check out the other ones on the channel and like and subscribe and as usual, Henry out.